Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. Tuesday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. Wasn't sure whether or not I was going to do it today, and then I remembered... We had Richard Sherman, the 49ers cornerback, set for an interview today. So why not talk a little bit to justify an episode of the PFTPM podcast? I'll answer some questions. I'll talk for a little bit before I play the Richard Sherman interview. For those of you who care about the flow, I talk, Richard Sherman interview plays, I answer some questions, and then I wrap it up. I want to start with this Washington quarterback situation. I was a little bit surprised that Jay Gruden, the Washington head coach, acknowledged that the team had discussed Colin Kaepernick. And I know that there are many in the audience who, the moment they hear Colin Kaepernick, they just shut it down. And if you want to stop listening at this point, I can't stop you, obviously. But I think we need to be fair to the facts. There isn't enough of that in this day and age, is there? Let's always have a strong commitment to the facts. What a novel and revolutionary concept that we allow the facts to dictate the way that things unfold. You're allowed to have your opinion, but let's focus on the facts. And the facts are fairly simple. This is a guy who wants to play quarterback. This is a guy who is staying in shape and is prepared to come try out, work out, negotiate, whatever. And no one ever calls him. It's one excuse after another for not even showing any interest in him. And now, Washington, with Colt McCoy breaking his fibula 15 days after Alex Smith suffered a compound fracture of both bones in his lower leg, Washington has Mark Sanchez and nobody. So, what are they going to do? Well, again, Gruden admitted they considered Kaepernick. But they've decided not to go in that direction based upon, obviously, his skill set. Obviously, that's the reason why they're not going in that direction. It has nothing to do with the politics of ownership, the politics of team president Bruce Allen. My understanding, Allen previously made it clear within the organization they would never touch Kaepernick. That has nothing to do with it. This is all about winning. So they bring in Ryan Mallett and Landry Jones. After... They did the E.J. Manuel, Kellen Clemens, Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson, T.J. Yates gong show two weeks ago. And that's what makes it so glaring, that we're getting down to the bottom of the barrel. All due respect, guys, but it's the bottom of the barrel. I admire you for continuing to try to live a life in football. That's admirable. I respect the commitment. I respect the resilience. I respect the persistence. But I also acknowledge that if you're going to call all of these guys who clearly are residing at the bottom of the barrel, why not just bring Colin Kaepernick in for a workout? Oh, we don't want the distraction. You signed Reuben Foster. See, that's the problem. They've completely gutted 
any argument they could make that Colin Kaepernick brings with him, just the mere fact of having him in for a workout carries a distraction. When you claim on waivers a man who has been arrested twice this year for domestic violence, and if that's not a distraction, and obviously we saw what a distraction it created, and I'm glad they aren't offending our intelligence by saying, well, you know, we would have brought Kaepernick in this week, but last week's Reuben Foster thing was such a huge distraction, we don't want another one. Because we know that distraction excuse is a distraction from reality. The reality is Colin Kaepernick is politically unpopular with many of the owners. The reality is the NFL over a year ago, despite evidence of a split of opinion among fans as to whether they support Kaepernick or oppose Kaepernick, the league decided apparently allegedly, and or actually, to side with the fans who oppose Kaepernick, to fear those fans and disregard the fans who support Kaepernick. And you can come up with a hundred excuses unrelated to football as to why you don't want Kaepernick, especially with a pending collusion case, especially with the anthem issue essentially dead. It's gone. It's over. If you sign Kaepernick now, there's a chance it all dusts up again, you know, or, or, or there's a chance it, it never gets mentioned, or there's a chance that, you know, it creates a short-term bump of PR, positive and or negative. It can't be as bad as last week. It would be an improvement from a PR standpoint if they at least took mixed criticism for signing Colin Kaepernick. One question I have And it hasn't gotten to this point where it's even an issue. And maybe they would quickly be off the hook if they would offer Colin Kaepernick a job or at least offer him a tryout. And he says, I'm not comfortable considering employment with a team that has a nickname that I personally believe to be offensive to Native Americans. He could say that. Then they're off the hook. There's a chance he would say that. I mean, well, I'm not going to go down that path. I could see why people would not want to be employed by that organization based upon the fact that the organization carries a name that a certain number of Native Americans regard as offensive. And of course, the argument there is not enough believe it's offensive. Some percentage is too much, but 10% based upon a poll that was criticized and undermined and maybe just flat out inaccurate, even if it's 10%, like, is that okay? And I make no apologies for not using the word. I try not to use the word. I almost used it on PFT Live today. I used it recently when reading the statement from the team that was issued in the Ruben Foster case. And for those of you who have never heard me explain this, and I've probably explained it three or four times, but let me just say why. I believe that's... And and this, I don't tell the other writers at PFT not to use it. I mean, it's the name of an NFL team. We cover the NFL. What are we supposed to do? I'm not passing judgment on anyone who uses it. But from my perspective, I can't use it because it genuinely offends a certain percentage of the Native American population. And Stats and I have had a Native American man come up to us in San Francisco in the run-up to Super Bowl 50 and thanked us profusely for not using the term, with tears in his eyes. So that's that. And I wasn't even on the fence before that. I was dug into this position. But after that, there's no way in hell I'm changing my position. And people get mad. 
I'll see that all the time. Anytime I tweet a link to a story about Washington, there'll be somebody who responds with the name of the team or there'll be comments. Hey, you all can use it. I'm not telling you not to. I just believe, out of respect and deference to the Native Americans who are offended by the term, I'm not going to use it. And I'll go ahead and say what I was going to say earlier. I'd never accept employment from that organization, not that they would ever want to hire me. And I'm not inclined to accept employment with any NFL team, not that any would want to hire me. I'd like to think there is value that I would have after studying the NFL for the last 18 years and living and breathing it on a daily basis for the last 10. I'd like to think I could add value in a variety of capacities. Understanding of the CBA, understanding of legal realities, understanding of business realities, understanding of PR, understanding of everything that goes on under the umbrella of an organization. I just don't want to do it. But if I was inclined to do it, I wouldn't work for Washington. I couldn't. And that may be what Colin Kaepernick thinks. So you know what? Offer him a tryout and see if that's what he says. Anyway, enough about that. But look, this is a team. If you're a fan of the franchise, and we see this so much in football. Fungible assets. Rip the name off the back of the jersey. Get the best player. That gets hammered home to you. If you visit a team and you see, and I have, their processes for tracking the available players and studying all players, the pro personnel department, that's the group that is constantly monitoring the available players that are currently on other teams. The free agents that are available. They have a ready list at every position. They got a list of names, 10, 15 names at every position. They view these guys as interchangeable parts. And yes, they have players that they feel strongly about, and they pay a lot of money too, but the moment they get injured, it's scrape them up and add another one. And if the goal is to win football games, and you're a fan of that team, and they're 6-6 and right now, and they're in the thick of the chase for the number six seed in the NFC, do you want Colin Kaepernick, or do you want Ryan Mallett? Do you want Colin Kaepernick, or do you want T.J. Yates? Do you want Colin Kaepernick, or do you want Landry Jones? Ask yourself that question honestly, if you want to win. Now, if your objective isn't to win, if your objective is to see Colin Kaepernick unemployed because you think he's a no-good, rotten, dirty SOB, and he shouldn't be employed by an NFL team, then so be it. But enjoy the fact that your team currently employs Reuben Foster and is paying him to not play. They won't pay Colin Kaepernick to play, but they're paying Reuben Foster a twice accused this year committer of domestic violence not to play. Go ahead. Have fun with that. I saw that Calvin Benjamin was cut today by the Bills. I had a feeling that this was coming. I don't think that he was adding much to the team. And, you know, there may be some stories behind the scenes. After he said that dumb stuff about Cam Newton, this guy was a first-round pick who is a giant. I remember being at the Denver-Carolina Week 1 game 2016. Was it 2016? 2016-2017, the year that the Broncos won the Super Bowl. That would be 2016. And Benjamin and Newton were in full gear. My God, they're giants. How about Brandon Browner? Brandon, let me try that again. How about Brandon Browner? Eight years in prison for attempted murder. He entered a plea of no contest to one count of attempted murder, two counts of child endangerment, and was sentenced to eight years. He'd been incarcerated since July. Eight years. This guy was the unsung hero of Super Bowl 49. He's the guy who kept the receiver, and I can't remember who it was. There was a Seattle receiver who was supposed to pick Malcolm Butler. And Brandon Browner grabbed that guy by the jersey, up by the neck, and kept him from getting through and securing the pick so that Butler could jump the route 
and intercept the pass. We had him on PFT Live in the aftermath of that game. He didn't get nearly enough credit. Times have changed for Brandon Browner. He was a, a strange case study in NFL career development. He was, I think, undrafted in 2005. Didn't hang around the NFL for very long. Ended up in Canada. And then the Seahawks discovered him in 2011. And he became a quality player. Won a Super Bowl with Seattle one year. The next year he won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. And now eight years in prison. The Steelers, and I guess more specifically and accurately, Heinz Field is going to ban that fan that put his hand on the throat of a pregnant woman. Now, look, I've seen the pictures. And I'm not making an excuse for the guy. She wasn't obviously, like, bulging pregnant. It doesn't make it okay. But it's still bad. And, look, you have to assume... I mean, you shouldn't put your hand on a woman ever. No one should put their hand on anyone else. I mean, let's not be discriminatory here. We need to live in a society where we don't go around whacking, choking, punching people. But if you do put your hand on a woman, there is a chance that that woman's going to be pregnant. There's a chance you're going to potentially injure the mother or the fetus. You just have to assume that. Of course, I can't even begin to understand what people like that think. And I think the problem is they don't think. They have an anger issue that compels them, possibly with the addition of alcohol, to do things that normal human beings don't do. And we've had this debate recently with Reuben Foster and with Kareem Hunt. And I think we expect everyone at this point, to understand you can't do it. Whether someone's obviously pregnant or not, whether it's a man, whether it's a woman, whether it's an adult, whether it's a child, whether it's an elderly person, whoever it is, another human being should not be contacted by any of us, male or female. The aggressor, doesn't matter what gender you are. The victim, it doesn't matter what gender you are. We shouldn't be behaving that way in a civilized society. And this is one of the realities of having alcohol available at these sporting events. Because, you know, I've been at these games. Not just Steeler games. I've been at plenty of games where people show up and it's like their birthright because they have that ticket to drink as much booze as they want. They don't even pay attention to the game. I remember being at the AFC Championship game 2001 season. Steelers-Patriots. And the two guys in front of me spent their whole time drinking their beers and then one would go back and get two more and they drink it and the other one would go back and get two more and they drink it. So like one guy was constantly missing the game. It's like, why are you even here? Just stay home. For the first round, you could buy a 24-pack for what it costs at a stadium and just get blottoed watching the game at home. And... Alcohol in some people, it brings out the worst in them. And I don't know that this guy was drunk or not. He, he should hope that he was. He should hope that he doesn't act that way when he's perfectly sober. But Heinz Field is going to figure out who this is and ban that person. And hopefully he gets prosecuted because this is the way you deter it. You can't prevent it. When you have that many people crammed together in a public place, you can't prevent misconduct. But you can deter it. That's one of the purposes of the criminal justice system. You can deter it by punishing aggressively those who engage in it. So, whether or not the woman was pregnant or not pregnant, whether or not it was a woman or a man, it was wrong and it shouldn't happen. The fact that it was a woman who ended up being pregnant, that makes it even worse than the stories we're used to hearing. Now, there's been even worse violence that'll happen out in the parking lot, and I think it was a fan in a bathroom at Levi's Stadium was horribly injured you know that's the problem with these stories they pop up we feel bad for the person and then we move on it's just kind of the way it is and it's kind of sad 
But here's hoping that when these things happen, justice is served decisively and swiftly and sternly. And it will get some somebody who is tempted, whether they're under the influence of alcohol or otherwise, someone who is tempted to reach their hand out and grab someone by the throat or punch someone or shove someone or do worse to someone. Here's hoping that somewhere in their brain, they will have remembered what they heard about some other idiot who gave into that temptation and that'll stop them. And of course, you're never going to know. You just hope. You hope that ultimately when these things happen, they don't happen nearly as much as they could or would if there wasn't swift justice dispensed. And look, the NFL wants fans of visiting teams to go to the games. This is a couple that's Chargers fans and they travel to road teams all the time, road games all the time. They want people to buy tickets and go and enjoy the games. Remember, we would hear about undercover police officers wearing gear of the visiting team just to kind of, you know, serve as, and it's not, I don't know that it's entrapment. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's a, it's part of the deterrent. You never know whether or not that, that person who's wearing gear of the visiting team is going to end up being an undercover police officer. They need to do that more often. They should be doing that in every NFL city. My son went to the Steelers-Vikings game last year, and he insisted on wearing his John Randall shirt, and it's like, you know, dude, I don't know that that's a good idea. All it takes is one person. This isn't a systemic Steeler fan problem, just like it's not a systemic Eagle fan problem or any other fan. It's not like they all act that way. All it takes is one. So here's hoping they figure out who did that and get it taken care of, and uh, we don't have to have stories like this. They don't happen very often. I think there's maybe one a year, but uh, uh, one is too many, and hopefully we can get to the point where there are no future incidents like that. Hopefully it's a long time until we talk about it again. Urban Meyer, retired, air quotes, retired from Ohio State. He had his press conference today. We talked about the situation on PFT Live before his press conference. His press conference leaves the door wide open to coach again, and there are some who think he may end up with the Browns. And I don't know. I guess that's kind of compelling, interesting. Baker Mayfield and Urban Meyer together. The Browns have done worse. I don't know that Urban Meyer is the right guy, but if his success rate at the college level could in any way translate to the NFL level, he could be really good. I just don't know about this whole thing with the cyst and how it causes headaches. I mean, there's going to be more stress, not less, at the NFL level. At the college level, if you know how to recruit, if you know how to go in there and lay on the charm and pick the right guys, and you have a better team than most of the teams you face... The in-game process isn't all that stressful. The week-to-week process isn't all that stressful. At the NFL level, it's stressful. It's stressful all the time because of free agency and parity in the salary cap. So I don't know that that would work there. But it's just another name to keep in mind as the Browns figure out what they're going to do. All right, I figured out what I'm going to do. I'm going to play for you the Richard Sherman interview. But before that, another word from our friends at On Deck. And this is a message specifically designed for small business owners who may need help managing cash flow or hiring employees or purchasing inventory or upgrading office space. Getting access to capital is incredibly challenging and time-consuming for small business owners like you. And most traditional banks lack the technology and the resources to truly understand a small business, and they'd rather just lend to larger, more established businesses. On Deck is 100% committed to small business owners with fast, easy, and tailored financing. You'll get funding 
in as fast as 24 hours with term loans up to $500,000 and lines of credit up to $100,000, none of which require business collateral. The application process is simple. It won't impact your personal credit. And OnDeck has loaned over $10 billion to more than 80,000 small business owners throughout the United States. If you're a small business owner and you need access to capital, go to ondeck.com slash PFT right now. As a listener to this podcast, you'll get a free consultation with one of OnDeck's U.S.-based loan specialists. Apply online or by phone and get approved in minutes. Go to ondeck.com slash PFT. That's O-N-D-E-C-K dot com slash PFT for your free consultation now. All right, now my conversation from earlier today with 49ers cornerback Richard Sherman. All right, joining us now, a three-time NFL All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler in his first season with the San Francisco 49ers and also involved in what's called the Fan-Controlled Football League. He is cornerback Richard Sherman. Richard, how are you, pal? I'm doing great. Yourself? Doing great, thank you. I'm very intrigued by the Fan-Controlled Football League. I think more football is always good. There's a lot of other football leagues popping up now. Tell us about this one. Tell us about your involvement in it and why it's something fans should be interested in. It's similar in some ways to the Arena Football League, but it's also different. You know, it'll be we'll have eight teams. There'll be eighteen players on the team. There'll be no kickoff, no punts, no none of that. It'll be it'll be fans calling just about every shot on the team. You know, from play calling to what free agents we pick up, the team name, the team logo, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all teams will be based in Vegas. Um, it's going to be really cool. It's going to obviously be during, during the summer months that are kind of a lull period for the NFL. And, I, you know, I, I'm kind of going to enjoy it. Obviously, I'm one of the cap team captains, and so is Marshawn. So, you know, that's going to be some, some chaos in itself. But uh, I'm excited for it, man. I'm excited to, to see how it goes. And you're a guy who has a lot of options with your time, your money, your interest. What was it about this that, that said to you, hey, this is something I have to be involved in? Well, because it, it, it's letting the fans get involved. You know, I, you, you hear about all these, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks and, and you know, couch QBs, et cetera, et cetera, and all these people, like, have all the answers. And it's not to go out there to vote and call plays and, and have an impact on whether the team wins or loses. You've had a very good, if not excellent, first season with the San Francisco 49ers. What's been the most rewarding aspect of it for you? Uh, just, just, just getting, honestly, just getting out there back from the grass. Um, has been has been a blessing in itself. You know, coming off the injury, off of you know, not everybody returns, and most people don't return um, at full speed or you know at the speed they're used to. Um, and thank goodness I've been able to to, to reacclimate my body and, and get myself back out there just about the same as when I left. You know, my, some muscles and, and tendons and things need a little bit of more reconditioning, but um, for the most part, I've just been both. Richard, you've got a history of being involved in teams that have performed at a very high level. How challenging has it been for you this year to be on a team that hasn't lived up to the expectations that others might have had? Well, it's been more difficult because of the injuries we've had. Um, you know, obviously everybody knows how difficult it is to win without an elite quarterback in this league or, or um, you know, at least the guy you start the year with. Um, and, you know, we had a great quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, and obviously C.J. Beathard came in there and played admirably. But we've just dealt with a lot of injuries, and, and that's been the most dis- disappointing part about it is because we haven't, you know, had a chance very often this season to put our 
to put our best foot forward, to put our you know best twenty-two guys out there on offense and defense, and, and just see how it how it pans out. You know, a lot of times we we lost. Um, for multiple, multiple games, we lost our number one and number two receivers, number one running back, number two running back. Now, I mean, number three running back. Um, we, we lost both quarterbacks. Now we're, you know, Nick Collins is in there playing great football, but um, he's a third quarterback. Uh, you know, defensively, we, we've lost multiple starting safeties. I think we've lost three or four safeties at this point, um, a few corners, a few linebackers. So, you know, this, this league is one of those leagues where it's hard enough to win with, you know, the perfect lineup and the guys you, you know, have your starters, your day one starters, but it's it more difficult when you when you have to uh, go into your backups and, and try to try to win that way. The locker rooms embraced you. The fans have embraced you. You were voted a team captain. Are the 49ers a team that you hope to stay with indefinitely into the future? Yeah, I definitely hope to hope to stay here and 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 grow with this team. You know, obviously, I'm I'm as disappointed as the fans and everybody else. Um, with how the season has gone this year, but um, you know sometimes you got to go through these growing pains and these this adversity to, to really really get to where you need to go. Um, and I'm 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 happy with the team. I'm happy with being in in, in San Fran, and um, I've enjoyed the fans. I enjoy the the team and the camaraderie, um, and I hope to be here. A couple of years ago, you coined one of my all-time favorite terms when you referred to Thursday night football as a poop fest. Do you still feel the same way about Thursday night football? <laughs> I do. I, I, I just I, I wish, you know, I wish they'd give players more time. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be as bad if the team that was playing on Thursday night didn't have a Sunday night or a Sunday game the, the week before. Um, they're not so different about it. But when you got guys going from – Sunday to Thursday. I mean, guys are just trying to make it through. You know, it's not obviously it's a good enough product because everybody's beat up, so everybody's playing at kind of the same speed. But for players, it's, it's really difficult to do. You know, and, and obviously it's not about how the players feel. We, you know, we're just employees and, and go out there and, and put on a show. But um, it's really tough on the bodies of the guys, and, and, and that pain and that soreness kind of lasts with them throughout the season. It really. I mean, they, I haven't studied the injuries, but it's, it's been a lot of injuries on Thursday nights, a lot of injuries in the game overall, but I just wish guys would be protected. You had some excellent comments in August of 2017 about the Colin Kaepernick situation. I think you cut right to the heart of the matter. It's about guys staying in their place, and I think you're absolutely right about that. And here we are a year and several months later. team like Washington has multiple quarterback injuries, and they won't even look at Colin Kaepernick. Are we at the point where we're just kind of numb to the fact that teams aren't going to take him seriously as an option and – does that kind of let the teams off the hook when we just kind of get numb to the fact that no one is going to be interested? Yeah, I'm, I, I think it's I think it's one of those situations where it's disappointing, but that's exactly the case. Um, you know, because there's nothing there's nothing legally stopping the teams from doing it. There's there's not enough public pressure. There's nothing that's going to allow force a team. You know, team can like like Washington who's in the playoff hunt um, have literally. You know, at first it was like Colin Kaepernick's stats weren't good enough, or he he's not playing at a high level. And then you see some of the quarterbacks that they picked up, and you're like, well, you know, if you're if you're picking up Mark Sanchez, he's had some up and down years. Colt McCoy the same way. You know, they've had up and down years, and Colin has played at a higher level than I would say any of those guys ever performed at the peak of their careers. And you start to see stuff like that, and you know, it's it's almost like teams are, are purposely making it obvious that. 
like they're 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 freezing them out. And unfortunately, there there has to this point been nothing that the courts or or the league has done about it. And and that's that's the disappointing part because he's a good football player. He didn't he didn't commit a crime. You know, he didn't he didn't you know put his hands on anybody, murder anybody. You know, do anything that you know that insanely crazy that he deserves to be banned from our football league and and, and having stuff. Hey, Richard, I know you got more of these to do. I'll let you get to it. I wish you all the best with the Fan Control Football League and with the 49ers, and we look forward to talking to you again down the road. Thank you, Mike. Have a great one. Great talking to you. All right. See you, pal. Okay, thanks to Richard for his time. Compelling stuff as it relates to Colin Kaepernick. I'm intrigued by this fan-controlled football league. I'm just intrigued by the fact that there will be more football leagues popping up because there will be a greater demand for more opportunities to wager on things. If wagering is legal, then why not have as many things as possible to wager on? All right, let's answer the best questions that we see. Oh, I didn't even put out, you know, I'm looking at the tweet. I didn't put a a Batman gif on it. Sorry about that. Kind of a busy day. All right, question time. Let's see what we got here. From PFTPM Posse, is Dallas Cowboys linebacker Leighton Vander Esch wearing an actual wolf to the team's party the other night? Is that the best or worst fashion choice trend of the year? Defend it or knock it? Why You're wearing a wolf? I don't know. To each his own, I suppose. Another one from PFTPM Posse, any chance that all these scandals and gates that have occurred under the commissioner's reign, especially with all the violence against women and total absence of consistency changes anything does it change anything i don't know that it changes anything look i think that the reaction to the ray rice case from four years ago the swift and stern reaction the banishment de facto of rice the development of the commissioner's exempt list which will keep you on the sideline yes you're paid but you're on the sideline if you're simply accused and you're facing charges these are all things i think that have caused fewer incidents but I think, and I said this yesterday, after Ray Rice, they overreacted one way, which resulted in Ezekiel Elliott, and now they've overreacted the other way. And you've got Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, saying he's going to pay close attention to the Kareem Hunt case. And some people interpreted that as meaning that Jones is, like, interested in Kareem Hunt. No. Jones is paying attention to make sure that Kareem Hunt gets the same punishment and the same treatment that Ezekiel Elliott got. Or maybe Jones wants to see if they soften this now. See, I don't know what Jones really wants here. Does he want them to throw the book at Hunt because they threw the book at Elliot? Or does he want them to learn from the Elliot case and not be as zealous and heavy-handed in their treatment of Hunt? Faisal Morali, what happened to LaShawn McCoy's legal troubles? Just gone away. That's a guy that I thought was going to end up on the commissioner exempt list, but no charges filed. Now, this is an example of that balance the NFL is trying to strike between Rice and Elliot. Maybe pre-Elliott, the NFL would have been all over LaShawn McCoy. Because the alleged victim, she's ready to cooperate. She wants justice. But I think after Elliott, they've gone back the other way. And I think they like to let sleeping dogs lie. They don't want to make something that isn't a big PR issue into a big PR issue by investigating it and making it something that more people will talk about. Shea. 
Dishay83, can you remember a better job opportunity than the Packers? Elite quarterback, great tradition, and no crazy owner to deal with. Yeah, the Browns are a better opportunity. We had the poll yesterday. 52% of those who responded, nearly 9,000, said the Browns is the better opportunity. Peter King today says the Browns are the better opportunity. Chris Sims said the Browns are the better opportunity. I, not that it matters, said the Browns are the better opportunity. I'd rather work for the Browns right now than the Packers. I would. I'll take my chances with Jimmy Haslam. Because you know what? If I win, Jimmy Haslam will leave me alone. And I'm more likely to win with Baker Mayfield. If I win in Cleveland, every building in town is going to bear my name. There's going to be a statue. There's going to be a street. There's going to be an interstate. And not just that little sign with one mile, you know, adopt a highway crap. The whole road, baby, is going to be named after me if I win a Super Bowl there. That's what intrigues me about Mike McCarthy. He has a chance to be the first coach in league history to win a Super Bowl with two different franchises. Nobody's ever done it. Several have tried. Nobody succeeded. Bill Parcells got a team back to the Super Bowl. That's the closest anyone's come when he took the Patriots there to cap the 96 season. McCarthy could be the guy. And Cleveland may give him the chance. So the Packers' job isn't a bad job. And Peter King made a great point today. I need to write this at PFT. I've been worried so much about Aaron Rodgers' input and Aaron Rodgers having an interview with the incoming coaching candidates to see if Rodgers is comfortable with them. The new coach needs to be comfortable that Rodgers is going to be coachable, that that he clicks with Rodgers, that Rodgers will take to whatever he's doing. Because you don't want to have a problem with the guy who continues to be the face of the franchise, the most important employee in the organization and the guy who makes the most money by far. Paul PJ five, should the NFL consider having a system where the quarterbacks won't count against the salary cap or they can designate one player's salary to not against the cap. Look, I don't think the NFL wants to do anything like that. I think they're very happy to have a system in place that holds down total spending. Leapers 500 of the Broncos for real, or is this the proverbial dead cat bounce? I, I, as, as Mike, like dirt, Mike, Mike Likes Dirt says in response, I've never heard of a dead cat bounce, but it sounds very sad. Yeah, I haven't heard of the dead cat bounce, but I think the Broncos are a contender now. They're 6-6. Six and six. You look at a lot of those teams hanging around 6-6 six and six in the AFC right now. The Broncos have a chance. They have a chance to rise up. They have a chance to steal a playoff berth. They beat the Chargers and Steelers in back-to-back weeks. They handled the Bengals on the road, who hasn't recently. Let's see who the Broncos have left. I mean, this was a team that was 3-6 and six not long ago and had to go 5-2 and two down the stretch to avoid back-to-back losing seasons for the first time since 71-72. They have to finish the season. At San Francisco, that should be a win. Cleveland at home on a Saturday, let's say that'll be a win. At Oakland on a Monday night, that's Christmas Eve. My God, I feel bad for anybody that's going to be at that game, including the ESPN crew. That could be a win. Maybe it comes down to what they can do against the Chargers. And the Chargers may need that game to win the division, to get a bye, to maybe even be the one seed. That could be one heck of a game. Week 17. Nick Estrom, why wouldn't Washington just go with Landry Jones from the beginning? He was only cut a day or so after the Alex Smith injury. Why would you even bother with butt fumble guy? Yeah, I don't know. But now they're bringing Landry Jones back in. I had forgotten that he was on the team for a little bit of time. 
PFT Sponge, being both a football and KISS fan, did you ever hear about the 70s KISS coming to my tiny hometown of Cadillac, Michigan to inspire the high school football team after they adopted the Keep It Simple Stupid slogan? Keep It Simple Stupid slogan. It's the biggest thing that ever happened here. There is even a monument for it. Oh, I know all about KISS going to Cadillac. We had some photos tweeted about it a, a few weeks back. Yeah, and I, I, I've read the articles and they did a concert at the gym and blew the place out and had like extra reinforcements for the electricity. Yeah. And they kept it real quiet. They didn't want outsiders to overrun the town. Oh, I thought it was great. I didn't think it was because they adopted the keep it simple, stupid slogan. I thought it was just, they were using, I don't know what I thought they were using the music. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was, maybe it was keep it simple, stupid. And it became a kiss thing. And it was the year before that they embraced the band. And then the next year they invited them to come for the homecoming thing. And, yeah, they like flew out on a helicopter that landed at at, at uh, the middle of the football field, and 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 that there's a belief that that moment was when they became a mainstream acceptable act because they were very like different and weird and dangerous. People thought they were satanic, and they they started to slide into the mainstream kind of then. They seemed you know relatable to the average person, and uh, I just know the first time. It wasn't as much as the first time I heard the music as the first time I saw them. They were on the Paul Lind Halloween special, 75, 76, I don't know. And I was just blown away. And I think a lot of kids that age and when back in the days of three TV channels, it's very easy to get fascinated by guys playing drums and guitars with black and white face paint who can breathe fire and spit blood. And, and they've got flash pots going off and explosions. So... The music doesn't have to be real good if you're very smart about the effects and the visual aspect of the show. And, and it worked for them, and it's still working for them. And March 30, if they live that long, and if I live that long, I'll see them again in Pittsburgh. All right, I probably should wrap this up. Let me answer one or two more real quick. Dean Osborne, 42, wants to know if Jeff Fisher will ever be an NFL head coach again. And I can't figure out whether the guys at Pardon My Take really and truly want Jeff Fisher to coach again, or they just like the spectacle of it. They think it's good for business. I think they get behind people and teams and concepts that are good for their business, not necessarily good for the people who employ those people, teams, and concepts. I don't think Jeff Fisher is going to be an NFL head coach again. He's a defensive guy, which isn't the trend right now. And he's getting older, which is not the trend ever in the NFL. Unfortunately, it's unfair. These older coaches should get more chances if they have something to bring to the table, but there just hasn't been the success. I was on... Pardon my take the other night. And they said, well, you know, he he built this Rams team. Yeah, but what did the Rams team do with him as the head coach? All right, let's see if we have one more. Dean Osborne, let me, let me just answer this one. And again, ask your questions later this week. I'll probably do one tomorrow or Thursday. I think I'll do one Thursday because we may have Sean Payton on the podcast that day. Either way, if I didn't get to your question, keep asking it. Dean Osborne wants to know, with Broncos running back Philip Lindsay in mind, who is the best undrafted player of all time at any position? You know, Kurt Warner would be one that comes to mind because he's a quarterback and because he was an MVP and a Super Bowl champion. So I'd say Kurt Warner, probably. I think John Unitas was undrafted. Either he was undrafted or he was drafted very, very late. And back when the draft... See, Kurt Warner was undrafted when there were seven rounds in the draft. John Randall was undrafted when there were 12 rounds in the draft. So that makes it... Impressive. John Unitas, by the way, a little multitasking here, a little Googling while I prattle on about John Randall. He was a ninth round pick, John Unitas was. So he can't be the 
the undrafted premier player of all time. I'd say Kurt Warner. I'd say Kurt Warner. He was was he a, he was a one-time NFL MVP. He went to three Super Bowls, won one, almost won a second, really almost won all three that he was in, and he's a Hall of Famer. I'd say offensively, it's Kurt Warner, and defensively, it's John Randall. All right, that's it for today. Have a great evening. Maybe tomorrow, definitely Thursday, another PFT PM is coming. We have PFT Live on Wednesday with Chris Sims. We'll get you up to speed on everything that's happening in the NFL. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.